My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. And uh, man, we're going to have fun today. It's our, it's our eight-year anniversary as a church. And, uh, and I've been sick all week, so I'm like high as a kite. I'm prescription medication right now. So uh, just trying to be here with you guys, having some fun. So I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth. Nobody really does. And so this is in Jesus' hands today, but it, I promise you, it's going to be awesome. And so uh, because I was sick this week, I spent a lot of time in meme land. Anybody ever spent some time in meme land? Anybody know what a meme is? And so uh, I, I found some memes that, that deal a lot with relationships. I found this one. I thought this was, uh, this describes a lot of people's relationships, maybe sort of. This summarizes my love life. I'm the guy in blue right back there. Like, who, who does that at the beach? Like, oh, let me just pick you up to give you a kiss. I like, not only you have to be athletic, but, you know, so that describes some of our love's life. Uh, I, I also found this one. I thought this was funny, and some Latina ladies told me it was okay. So stages of dating a Latina. She's cute. She's also funny. Well, she's funny mean. Wait, she's actually mad. I'm scared. Send help. Why is my house on fire? And so, <laughs> South Florida. So Latina ladies, we love you, uh, but we're scared, okay? Where did we just are? And uh, relationships can be difficult. They can be complicated. And uh, I think the goal of every relationship is that it keeps that fire, not, not your house on fire, but that there is this love that burns all the days uh, of your marriage. And so uh, it, I was really thinking about that this week. Uh, on Monday night, my, my grandmother passed away. It's my last uh, living grandparent, and, and, and so my grandfather passed away a year ago, and so almost uh, uh, on his birthday a year later, my, my grandmother passed away, and uh, my grandparents were married for 62 years, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's unheard of these days. I mean, that's so countercultural, and, uh, and, and my grandparents had a significant impact in my life, and uh, they're kind of matriarchs for for loving God in our family, and, and they, they, my grandmother always prayed for me, and I remember being at their 60th wedding anniversary and, and asking my grandfather, like, man, what, what was the secret to success? How do, you, how do you guys make it 60 years? And uh, he said, man, we just work on it every day. We just work on it every single day. And uh, that's, a, that's a concept that's foreign today. It's, a, it's an idea that's foreign. And, and, and in this series, we're not here to reinforce what culture tells us. In fact, we're we're trying to go countercultural to what everybody tells us when it comes to relationships. And, and if I wanted friends, I, I would not teach this series. I just wouldn't. Because I, I watch it every week. I see people, you're with me, you're with me, you're with me. Then I'll say something, you're like, what? And, and it's just like, it goes so against what you've been told all of your life. And, and the reason people are like, what? Is because most of the time, we're not really ready for marriage. And, and I believe that today, if you'll lock into what I'm saying, whether you're single, whether you're married, like I'm going to help you a lot in your relationships. And I'm going to save you from a lot of heartache. I'm going to save you from a lot of pain that is in relationships. And so when I do a wedding, it's pretty much kind of the same format every wedding. I, I've done 200 plus, uh, performed 200 plus weddings in, in my life so far. I only had one couple that's gotten a divorce from all of those weddings, which I'm very, very proud of. Uh, but I'll pay, basically, same kind of vows every single time. They change up based on the, the individuals. But uh, pretty much, uh, they always go like this. I always say, do you take Rosa Maria Santiago, whoever it may be, uh, to be your wife? 
to live together in holy covenant of marriage and realizing that God has given her to you as a gift? Do you pledge your faith to God and vow to love her and protect her and honor and keep her, forsaking all others to be faithful to her so long as you both shall live? And with a tear in his eye, he'll be like, I do. Then he'll say, repeat after me, I, Ryan, <laughs> according to God's word, commit myself to have you and to hold you from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. Therefore, I give you my life, and as God is my witness, I give you my promise. Now, nobody at the end of saying that has been like, are you insane, TJ? Like, nobody can do all of that right there that you just said. Like, I get the in love part, but I mean, all that other stuff, that is crazy. Essentially, what we're saying is, is I do when really we can't. Because we have this feeling called love, and we've got a song, and we both like dogs, and my favorite color is blue, and oh my gosh, his eyes are blue! It's going to work. <laughs> and then six months later, you're like, I know I said for richer or poorer, but I didn't realize that we were going to end up poorer. And that his credit score was 10. Come on, somebody. And now we have a problem. And so apparently, love is not all you need. But that's what society tells us, right? All you need is love. You got it. Well, you got it, and then you lost it, right? Because all of a sudden, I'm not having that loving feeling anymore. And now, like, they want me to do that honor and that respect and give of myself. And because we've been told that love is a feeling and that it's an emotion, we've bought into this culture that says love is an emotion. We think, well, that emotion is gone, so therefore love is gone. And so we're constantly looking for this emotion of love when really all that is is infatuation. And psychology tells us that about six weeks to 18 months, that feeling will go. And when emotion goes away, all of a sudden life gets really real. And it gets difficult. And you say, well, I don't feel in love anymore, and the reality is, is it's not that you don't feel in love, it's that you've stopped acting in loving ways, because we said that love is not an emotion, while there's emotion in love, love is not an emotion, the Bible actually teaches us that love is a command, God actually commands us to love one another, he commands us to make a choice, see, love isn't an emotion, love is a choice, love isn't an emotion, love is an action, love isn't about a feeling, it's about us doing. And what happens is, is we start going and we start looking at dating as a test for love 
And dating isn't a test for love, it's an evaluation. It isn't a status on Facebook, it's a, a process. And because we look at it wrong, and we look at wrong, love wrong, and we've defined love wrong, we're looking for a feeling rather than a commitment, and we're looking for a feeling rather than loyalty in a relationship. And many times, single people, and, and I would say that a lot of married people will, will, will identify with this because you walk into a marriage or into a relationship, and because you're not actually ready to be committed to that person, you make promises. And I've just learned that promises are no substitute for preparation. Promises are no substitute for preparation in relationships. In fact, uh, let me just ask this question. How many of you guys are bilingual? Bilingual people, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand all over the place. A lot of bilingual people in here. Uh, uh, what if next week I said, hey, everybody, listen, I, I love our church. Next week, I'm going to preach in Spanish. It is going to be awesome. Like, uh, man, I'm going to bring the heat in Espanol. And, and so, like, you, you go, man, that's awesome. I can't wait to experience that. And so you, you go out there and you tell all your friends and your family, man, my pastor, he's crazy in English. We have no idea what he's going to say. That. Imagine what he's going to say in Spanish. Spanish, which is not his native language. It's going to be funny. You invite all those people, and you get here, and we have great worship, and then I get up, and I'm like, hola, nombre Padre Espíritu Santo, en el nombre de Jesús, cuantos años tienes, taco, because that's all the Spanish I got. You're going to be upset, aren't you? You're going to be like... What's up with that? Why? Why are you going to be upset? Because you can't promise your way past preparation. You just can't. I promised, but I wasn't prepared for the commitment. And some of us were used to saying, I do, when we can't. So the question is, is what is the most important thing on your wedding day? Most important thing on your wedding day is your past. I know some, some guys like, well, wait, I thought sex was most important. <laughs> no, no, your past. Why is your past the most important thing on your wedding day? Because your past is the greatest indicator of your future success. Where your feet have been pointed. Problem is, is we are constantly getting in relationships with people who have continuously messed up and messed up and messed up in life. And we are hoping that this time they have changed. And we say, oh yeah, he's been great for 10 weeks. But ma'am, he's been an idiot for 10 years. Listen, I'm not saying grace doesn't change things and God can't change people probably not a great idea to marry somebody with a bad track record. Let me explain it like this. Say I was to go to Sawgrass Mills Mall and I was to go and grab uh, my, my Chase Freedom credit card because that's what you're doing when you have the Chase Freedom credit card. You're going to be chasing freedom for the rest of your life. And, uh, and I were to roll into the Hugo Boss store and I were to go find this nice Mac Daddy 
slim-fitting suit, buy it off the rack, get it custom-fitted for me, uh, and it's way too slim for my chunky body. And then I were to go to a nice uh, uh, jewelry store and were to get a credit card from there and buy a Rolex that's diamond-encrusted, go home, put that Hugo Boss suit on, put my diamond-encrusted Rolex, go down to the rental car, the high-end rental car agency, and get me a Lamborghini with one of those suicide doors. You all know what I'm talking about. The suicide door, getting that, roll down to the bank, just cruising, pull up right in front of the bank where everybody can see me. Let everybody know that I'm a baller, and I, I open my suicide door, and I'm like, what's up? in my Hugo Boss suit, and I walk in, and I'm like, I want to see the bank president. And they're like, uh, do you have an appointment? Do you see my car? Do you see, do you see my Lamborghini out there? Uh, I want to see the bank president. They're like, do you have an appointment? I'm like, do you see my diamond-encrusted Rolex bank president, sucker? And they escort me into the bank president's office, and he's like, what can I do for you? And I'm like, hey, did you see my Lambo? Do you see it out there? Do you see my Hugo Boss suit? I need you to give me a million dollars. He's going to go, okay, sir. Um, would you sit down for me? No, no, no. Do you see my suit? Uh, do you see that chair? <laughs> do you see my car? He's like, I need your full name. Why do you need my name? Don't you see my car? I need your social security number. Don't you see my, my Rolex? Why is he asking those questions? Because before he gives me a million dollars, he wants to see how I've done on my past promises before he gives me some future ones. Why is it in our society we value money more than we do marriage? We marry people we wouldn't loan 20 bucks to. We make excuses for people that are morally bankrupt and try to defend what they continually do. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 8, it says, The prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. The word prudent in Hebrew means someone who thinks ahead. And, and where they are going refers to behaviors, habits, and trends. A prudent person looks ahead and looks at the behaviors, habits, and trends of somebody and makes decisions based on that. A foolish person just goes forward and goes, well, man, it's, they're just, they're just going to radically change on their own. But TJ, aren't I supposed to save them? No, that's Jesus' job. But who's going to disciple them? Uh, a connect group. See, what we want to do is, is, is we want to go grab people that are below us in our spiritual walk and hope that we can pull them up. But the reality is, is what they're going to do is they're going to pull us to levels in our spiritual walk that we were never supposed to go down to. See, the Bible tells us that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, which means this is something I do on my own. Somebody else doesn't do that for me. And then before they're ready to get into a relationship, they need to work that out down here before you start giving up up here. got to do that personally. So I want to talk to married people and I want to talk to single people. And I'm going to try to fly through these. I've been doing terrible on time in all of these services. And so just bear with me. Uh, I'm going to talk to single people first. Number one, single people, deal with your issues before you get married. 
listen, you got issues, I got issues, Susie's got issues, uh, all of us have issues. Sorry, Susie, I didn't mean to call you out. Um, <laughs> we all got issues, and, and a lot of us have issues from our, our past, from our childhood, and if we don't deal with those, they're going to impact our relationships. In fact, I, I kind of drew this out because this is what it looks like for a lot of us. See, what happens is you are born in life, things happen, you have some ups and downs, and you have some hurt that's based from your parents. And so you're going through life and your parents hurt you and there's things that happen in life that remind you of that moment that some pain, some anger comes out in those moments and you're like, man, why does that keep happening? Because you haven't dealt with your issues yet. And then what happens, and we haven't dealt with our issues, we get married and all of a sudden we put our spouse in front of that place and our spouse does something uh, that reminds us of our parents and all of a sudden we start taking out anger and rage and pain of our past on our spouse when they have done nothing because we have never dealt with our issues. And listen, your past is not your past if it's still impacting your present. Deal with your present right now before you get married. Save yourself some grief single people. Number two, break your bad habits. Marriage was not designed to solve your problems. Listen, in marriage, problems don't get better, they get worse. Listen, if you're arguing while you're dating, you're going to be screaming when you're married. Just, just telling you the truth here. Wouldn't you appreciate it if the person you're going to marry breaks their bad habits before they get to you? Well, TJ, what's a bad habit? Bad habit is any addiction you may have. Well, I don't have any addictions. Then test yourself. Do you drink alcohol? Yeah, but I can stop anytime I want to. Well, then stop. Don't want to. There, there, there's your problem. And you're addicted. I'll quit smoking pot when I want to. I mean, God made it. Why not smoke it? Listen, God made poison ivy, but we don't go rolling in it. <laughs> just, just saying. Listen, you smoke pot, I, I, I'm not saying you're, you're evil or, or bad, uh, but I'm just going to tell you, you're probably going to be emotionally unavailable in a relationship. Well, it just calms me down. We know. <laughs> we see you driving 35 on 95. We got it. <laughs> you're calm. Well, quit when I have kids. No, you won't. You'll just make another excuse. Listen, I'm not preaching against pot. I'm not preaching against drinking. Unless you need to hear that today, then I'm preaching against it. <laughs> but I am saying that if you have something that's causing you to escape from life with, you need to deal with that. Because I promise you this, when you get married six months down the road, you're going to be blaming your spouse for that addiction. You're going to be like, you're causing me to gamble when you've been gambling for the last 10 years. Deal with it now. Number three, ladies, don't dress like a commodity or put up with being treated like one. 
There's a church father back there. I don't know what the... <laughs> Listen, this is counterculture right here. I, I, I just want you to take a day and count how many times uh, the, the media, tabloids, TV tries to sell sex with women. Society treats women like a commodity to be bought, sold, traded, and uh, just messed up. And in biblical days, honestly, women were commodities. They were treated as less than. A lot of how society treats women all over the world, except for in some free world places like America, get treated. But here's the crazy thing. Jesus comes along and changes everything. He starts seeing women not as a commodity but as a person and he starts saying crazy things like go and tell everybody the good news and and the disciples are like hey even the women he's like did I say everybody he starts to change the game and it's one of the reasons why women flocked to Christianity because for the very first time they weren't treated as a less than but they were valued as a whole person now women I, I know a little bit about fishing, not a whole lot, but I also know that a fisherman baits his hook based on the kind of fish he wants to catch. So, ladies, if you catch a man with your body, you're going to have to keep that man with your body. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there is this law called gravity. You got to be careful where you're fishing because you're going to catch from the pond that you're fishing in. Listen, you don't catch an angel fish fishing in the gutter. Listen, you go fishing in the clubs, you're going to catch something. It's not going to be good. Ladies, you troll with your body? You're going to catch guys that are only interested in your body. That's why ladies, they'll say, man, all, all the guys that I meet are the same. They all treat me the same way. Well, what's the common denominator there? You. So maybe it's time to change your bait, and you'll change guys that you're catching. So let me not just talk to the ladies. Number four, men, deal with lust. Deal with lust. Man, God gave us this amazing design between men and women that we are attracted to the opposite sex. And, and like from the very beginning, when Adam saw Eve, he's like, whoa, man, that's a terrible joke. But he's like, dang, hey, there was an attraction that's there. It's all throughout Scripture. But here's the deal. Guys, you got to learn how to control those emotions. And listen, pornography is pervading our society right now. Pervading it. In 60s, 70s, 80s, they were, they were telling guys, listen, it isn't, it's not bad. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't, it's, it's just plain old good fun. And today, every single psychologist and therapist will tell you that it is eroding the fabric of society and destroying men and turning them into little boys who can never be satisfied by a real woman. In fact, you, you want to go read something on it? Go read The Demise of Guys. Man, and it's, it, it's changing the way that we think. If you don't think you've got a pornography problem, stop looking at pornography. Stop it. 
And this isn't just a guy issue. 66% of women have looked at or are currently dabbling in pornography. Listen, you got to deal with this or you're going to bring that spirit into your home. And I did say spirit because it is a spiritual thing. It's a demonic element. And I know the church doesn't talk a lot about spirits, but you're bringing something in your home that your children are going to have to deal with it. Why don't you deal with it before they ever get there? Why don't you take care of that issue, guys? Five, postpone the physical aspect of your relationship until marriage. 1 Corinthians 7.1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. That word touch means to burn with desire. He's saying don't touch anything that causes you to burn with desire. I always get asked this question, TJ, by single people and, and teenagers, how far is too far? How far is too far? Why do we always want to toe the line? Why do we always want to get to as close to the line as, as possible? Uh, let me answer that. Uh, in the Bible, there, there, there's kind of four categories that are defined. There's unbelievers, there's married people, there's brothers in Christ, and there's sisters in Christ. Those are the four categories of people that are continuously defined in the Bible. And then uh, we've added a fifth category, and we've called it dating. And dating uh, has all of the benefits of marriage with none of the commitment, and therefore it has all of the brokenness that was never intended. And see, dating was never even thought of until the early 1900s. That's when dating started. Before then, there's a couple ways that people got married. There were arranged marriages where, where families would decide uh, who was going to marry who. Like, oh, I, you're going to marry this person, and we're going we're gonna to make that arrangement. And that still happens some places around the world, not not culturally acceptable in, in our country, but arranged marriages have a way higher success rate than what our quote-unquote love marriages are. There's this idea of courtship that is acceptable in our society but goes against the grain because what happens in, in a courtship element is, is a man that's interested in a woman dates the family to get to the woman. So he's got to kind of win the father over, so he's got to take long walks on the beach and buy him chocolates and all, all kinds of things. It's actually how Shayla and I worked. Uh, I, I courted her. I dated her family. Listen, you want the best. You've got to go through the toughest elements. Remember where you fish. Then there is our idea, which is dating. And the problem with dating is, is it was never meant to be recreational. Oh, we're just dating to have a good time. No, no, no. You should be dating to create a legacy. So if you're not ready for marriage and the commitment of marriage, you probably shouldn't date because that's the ultimate goal. If you just want to have a good time, go hang out with some friends. Go get in the connect group. Go have some fun. So how far is too far? Let me get back to the original question. How far is too far, TJ? How far is too far with your brother? How far is too far with your sister? Some of you are like, that's gross. <laughs> Changes the way you look at somebody and how you treat them and how you respect them and how you... Engage in self-control, which is exactly what's lacking in our society. Because people that can't control promiscuity before they're married 
have a greater tendency to engage in promiscuity when they're married. Let me say this, listen. Whatever you do, don't go live together. Not only is it unbiblical, but, but UCLA did a huge study. They showed that people that lived together before they got married, 50% higher divorce rate. And people that lived with two or three partners had almost a 0% success rate when it came to marriage. That's not just Bible, that's psychology. I'm trying to help you today, I'm trying to pastor you, I'm not trying to be your friend, I'm trying to give you some truth. Because what we need today is we need some truth and we need to realize that the word of God has got something to say when it comes to our lives and it comes to our relationships. And I'm going to say something that's going to be a little bit challenging, but I don't really care. And, uh, and most people don't ever take me up on this challenge, but the ones that do, they see great success in their life. And I'm going to challenge you this. If dating and sex are synonymous to you, you need to take a year off from dating. You need to take a year off from relationships. But what will happen to my current relationship? Listen, if they're the one, they'll still be there a year from now. Why so long? Because it's probably going to take you a year to renew your mind and think correctly and think rightly about how God would respond to relationships and what that looks like. Listen, if you're a non-Christian in here, please don't date a Christian. They want you to change. I know that they tell you it's okay that you're not a Christian, but it's not okay. That's why you're here today. Because they're not okay with it. They want you to change and they want you to be different. And, and even worse than that, if, if, if you're a non-Christian, you're dating a Christian, they're sleeping with you, not only are they sinning, but they're a hypocrite too. Why would you want that? Not a lot of amens there. Okay, married people, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to roll through these because I'm running out of time. Uh, married people, number one, don't window shop. Be happy with what you have because in a weakness, you will make a purchase. Matthew 6, 22 and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is, will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No, we have an agreement. We can look how great is the darkness. No, 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 you don't understand, TJ. I've got, I got self-control. How great is the darkness? Not only is this biblical, but psychology today says that when we lock eyes with somebody else, when we gaze at somebody else, there is a natural reaction that we come to. There's one or two basic emotions that are going to come out. We are either going to approach what we're engaging or we're going to retreat from it. So what that means is whatever I lock eyes with at some point, if I'm not locking eyes with Susie over here and she locks eyes with me, at that moment I have to make a choice. Am I going to run away or am I going to approach? Which means that anytime we're gazing, that we need to learn how to bounce our eyes so that we're not staring at something so we don't ever have to make that decision. Here's what I do. It's really simple. I just imagine if Shayla were seeing through my eyes right now, would she be excited with what I'm looking at or would she hate my guts? Number two, understand that adultery can happen to you and set up safeguards in your marriage. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, when you are tempted, not if you are tempted, but when you are tempted. Listen, all of us are going to be tempted. Here's what I do to make sure that I don't give in to temptation. Every once in a while, 
home and I sit down by myself and I have an imaginary conversation with Shayla and this is the imaginary conversation. I screwed up and I ruined everything and I watch her reaction. And I just imagine that. And that little bit of imaginary pain in the future keeps me out of trouble in the present. Some of y'all need to take that advice and start thinking about that future conversation you're gonna have to have with your spouse or with your kids before you make a decision to do that. Number three, schedule romance. Date night, mate night. Schedule it. Well, TJ, that's not very spontaneous. Neither is your affair. Because you would schedule that, wouldn't you? Schedule time and a place. Listen, go schedule an affair with your spouse. Go book a hotel room and get away. But TJ, we don't have time. Listen, you're allowing the urgent to take priority over the important. We don't have enough money. I'm going to help you right here. Uh, The Bible says be intimate often. Guys just took their pens out like nudging their wife. You need to take notes here right here, babe. (laughs) This is for you. Pay attention. Pay attention. 1 Corinthians 7, 3. Husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Amen. Hallelujah. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. And the husband gives authority over his, wife, over his body to his wife. So there's this mutual submission thing happening right there. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Listen, nobody cares about that part of the scripture. Nobody reading that. Listen, I understand it can't always be yes, but it should be yes more than it is no. Guys, don't be going home today and going, babe, first first Corinthians 7 1. <laughs> I know you. I just listen, ladies. There's, there's times where it's just going to be no. But make it no with a caveat. Not today, tomorrow. Guys, don't be laying in bed, setting an alarm on your iPhone for 1202. Hey, babe, it's tomorrow. You know, like, <laughs> settle down. If you do this, you won't do that. Motion creates emotion in relationships. Number four. Teach your kids that a closed door means you knock, and a locked door means you get the heck away. Listen, we've gotten our priorities way out of order. We think that the kids are first in the relationship, and they're not. Because listen, when that kid gets 18 years old, you know what they do? They leave. You know who you're stuck with? Your spouse. You know who you need to invest in right now? Listen, I want you to invest in your kids. I'm all about family. But the first priority in every relationship should be your spouse. The greatest thing you can give your children is a healthy marriage for them to see so they can emulate later. Don't miss it. Number five, get around, get good good advice, not sinful synthesizers. Get around some people that are going to encourage you, build you up. They're going to help you 
not discourage you in your relationships. One of the reasons why we offer connect groups, if you don't have those people getting a connect group, there's great connect groups happening in our church that are in relationships. Number six, serve in church together. Susie, you want to make your way up here. Uh, listen, there's no other institution in our society. There's not a single other institution in our society that has a radical approach to your family like the local church does. We believe in your marriage. We believe in your family. We believe in your kids. We want to see you healthy. We want to see you whole. We want to see your relationships whole. We want to see your finances whole. We want to see your emotions whole. Get involved in church. Greatest thing you can do. Listen, there is nothing sexier than seeing your spouse serve somebody else that can do nothing for them. That'll turn you on. That'll get you in that 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through five kind of action. Schedule that romance. We'll serve and then we'll close the door at home. You know what I'm saying? Number seven, go to counseling. Yea, I say unto thee, go to counseling. Go get some help in your struggles. Listen, we all got issues. Life is complicated. It just is. Listen, even if you're not struggling, we all go to the doctor for a checkup. Why? It's preventative maintenance. We all need to prevent some things. Maybe see some symptoms that we're not recognizing right now that if we don't deal with those, we'll turn into something major later on. I'd encourage you to talk to somebody. You need some information on biblical counseling, call our offices. We'll give you all kinds of recommendations. I believe that, that God has got an incredible plan for each and every one of our relationships. But I also know that it's necessary to do the preparation so that we're not just making promises that we can't keep. Because here's the thing I know about God. God is a promise maker and God is a promise keeper. He wants us to be the same way. Susie, would you lead us in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you.